Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries, of curiosities, of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. I was going through some some photos of our live shows, and do you oh. know we we have quite a collection of uh, pictures of marquees at you know some of the best comedy clubs in the nation uh, with our name on it, and also Dan Cummins. Yeah, uh, we are pretty consistently like on the marquee two, three after Dan Cummins. Yeah, we do not follow him. I swear. Well, we we follow him um, in in his podcasts. Oh, well, yes, of course. He's got several that he does. And I just started listening to uh, the one he does with Lindsay, his wife, Dan and Lindsay Cummins. It's called Scared to Death. And we love it. And we think you will, too. So, first of all, it's got the husband-wife thing going on that I adore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's hilarious that the whole goal of this podcast (laughs) is to scare his wife. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He uh, he comes up with a couple of scary stories, and then he tells them to Lindsay. They're said to be true stories. Demonic (laughs) possessions, hauntings, shadow people. (laughs) From what I've seen, Dan does a pretty good job terrifying Lindsay. They record all the stories in a dimly lit studio, which is just steps away from a cemetery. I love that. And then listeners send in their messages sharing their own peculiar upsetting stories, and Lindsay shares those with us. My guess is not only does Dan scare Lindsay, but he'll scare you too. It's freaky and so much fun. I love how they dare you to listen to it in the dark, too. New episodes drop every Tuesday night, the stroke before midnight Pacific time. Are you too scared for scared to death? I don't think so, but maybe though. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Check it out. It's available anywhere you listen to podcasts or you can watch the terror unfold on YouTube as well. Get scared to death. Oh, it doesn't sound scary when I say it. You say it. Get scared to death. That sounds a little like you've got a cold. Get scared to death. Get scared to death. How's that? That was pretty good. That was good. pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Is your story today scary or is it uh, bizarre, odd, interesting, unusual? Where, where are we going from here? So I start. Yeah. Okay. It's a little upsetting. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Oh, friggin' friggin' frack. Sorry. Cat hit her head on the on the RV slide uh, the other day yeah, while so hard. while weed whacking, and uh, now every time she touches her head, she screams. So. Since she's always touching her head, expect to hear outbursts. I'm not always touching my head. I was just preparing myself, and I was brushing my hair back. And (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, this makes it sound weird, like I'm always touching my head. you do. Anyway, the story. All right, so the Bretzewitz family, they bought their dream home in 2011. They found this house. They did the tour. They fell in love. They put a bid in and they had the home inspector come. Everything went really well. They won this house and were so thrilled. I say won, but I mean, they had to pay for it, obviously. They just, they got the house. Yeah, it was a bidding process. Yes. This big house was built nearly a century ago. It had many occupants over the years. It's set in gorgeous Auburn, Pennsylvania. So just picture like it's fall and the leaves are crisp and red and orange and yellow. And this beautiful house with a big porch sits so picturesque. Okay. Okay. It was an easy move for the couple and their four kids. It's it's Kaya Bretzowitz, her husband, and their four kids. One of the things that they loved about this house is that it was like move-in ready. They didn't want to have to do a lot of renovations, and this house was just perfect. Was there blood splatter on the wall? Zero blood splatter on All the right. wall. So, so nothing nefarious had taken place there? It was or? just it was perfect. It okay. was exactly what they wanted. Okay. So they're moving in. It's very exciting. And uh, they've been there about a year. So 2012, they decided they were going to add some insulation into their baby's room. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I like where this is going. Go ahead. So they start pulling down some drywall and they discover that the room had already been insulated in in a way. Um, They found these packets inside the walls um, and it was mostly newspaper. And they found that the newspaper appeared to be wrapping things. So they pulled one of these newspaper wrapped packets out of the wall and the newspaper was from the 30s or the 40s. So uh, obviously these packets had been in here for some time. So they start unwrapping these mystery packets. Body parts? Dead animals. From the 40s? Yeah. Dead animals? Yep. I'm not really sure how well dead bodies will insulate so um, it's a room. Dozens of dead animal carcasses wrapped in old newspaper. Kaya Bretzowitz in an interview said, we got the radon inspection. <laughs> we looked for everything. We didn't know to look for chicken corpses. Wow. There were also other strange items stuffed into the walls, like half-used containers of herbs and spices. Okay, so this is sounding like kind of a voodoo type of thing. It does. Like Skeleton Key, that movie. (laughs) I don't recall that. Was it terrible? Yeah, it was terrible. Okay, yeah. So after removing the items, they sent hundreds of artifacts and carcasses to an expert in Cutstown. The expert got back to the family and told them that the objects were most likely used for 
powwowing or ritual folk magic once practiced by the Pennsylvania Dutch. Really? Yeah, when I think of Pennsylvania Dutch, I think of delicious, freshly baked apple pie bought from a roadside stand. Sure. No, absolutely. Not dead animal corpses in the nursery wall. You know that I've been doing a lot of research on Pennsylvania Dutch hexes. Um, Usually in in that area of the world, you will find that many barns have Mm. these beautiful hand-painted hexes over their barn door or over the the hayloft door. And they're gorgeous. And every part of those hexes or those paintings has significance. So the colors used, each color means something. And the imagery that you're seeing, each image means something. And it's supposed to bring luck or fertility or whatever. So um, obviously, this went in a bit of a different direction. Folk magic, originating in the culture of the Pennsylvania Dutch, blends aspects of folk religion with healing charms. Uh, powwowing, which was a term taken from you know, the Native American population, powwowing includes a wide range of healing rituals used primarily for treating ailments in humans and livestock, as well as securing physical and spiritual protection and good luck in everyday affairs. So the concept of this ritual is that the practitioner, who can be anyone who knows the skills, uh, recites a blessing to cure various injuries ranging from burns, bleeding, rashes, infections, warts, scars, etc. So this is from Wikipedia. Although the word powwow is Uh, used to describe Native American rituals, these ritual traditions are of European origin and were brought to colonial Pennsylvania in the transatlantic migration of German-speaking people from Central Europe in the 17th and 18th centuries. A practitioner is sometimes referred to as a powwower or a brousherie. Although the majority of the Pennsylvania Dutch were Protestant, their folk religion culture was deeply rooted in practices of the pre-Reformation era, such as the veneration of saints and the use of folk adaptations of ceremonial blessings for everyday purposes. They also had sacred objects and inscriptions for healing and protection, and these practices were brought to North America. So in this traditional worldview, warts could be cured with a potato— and an invocation to the Holy Trinity by the light of the waxing moon. I, You know what? As a kid, I remember my grandmother telling me that they believed if you put a, a freshly cut potato on a wart, the wart would, would dissolve. And I, I didn't realize it, it came from, from this sort of a, a ritual. I just thought it, there was some kind of a property inside the potato, some well, kind of an acidic, starchy... You- Tuber property. You were from the county, so potatoes cured everything. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we need to explain that, though. I came from uh, a rustic county in Maine, and uh, it's the second uh, largest potato producer next to um, Idaho. Yeah, sorry. I said the county as right. though people understood what yep. that means. My bad. Uh, in Maine, we refer to Arista County, our northernmost and largest county, as the county. Because it's one third of the entire state. And maintains like four percent of the state's population like it is sparse anyway what was i saying oh yes animal carcasses so i couldn't find anything specific about jamming dead animals into the walls of your home um in any of these it wasn't on the next page after the potato wart uh 
cure. That's right. Um, but that it may have been a combination because especially when during the, the big immigration, a lot of practices and religions were being melded. I did find that burns were treated by blowing three times between cycles of religious invocations to dispel the heat from the body. Hmm. A smooth stone from the barnyard can heal illnesses that prevent draft horses from working. And written inscriptions are fed to cattle to prevent parasites. That's amazing. This I loved. The proper placement of a broom by the front door will protect from malicious people and spirits entering your home. And this feels very familiar. Like I remember um, there were tiny brooms sold with the idea that you put them near your front door. Yeah. I don't know if it's part of the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition, but uh, there was also a superstition that if you uh, put shoes in the wall or in you brick them into a fireplace, that would uh, protect the home as well. Oh, really? And so when people go to old homes and they're remodeling or refurbishing the fireplace, oh. oftentimes they will find old shoes. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to find that. Um, but that's really interesting. I wonder where that comes from. Also, a pinch of dust from the four corners of the house when stirred into coffee will prevent homesickness, which I'm all for anything that involves coffee, really. So We have plenty of dust <laughs> or orbs, if you <laughs> right. will. I found an entry in an article about Dutch magic that showed a chair that was used specifically for powwowing. So this chair was only for these ritualistic moments. Even though it appeared like a normal chair, there was symbolism in how it was built. So it was red, and the red paint symbolized the blood of Christ. The two arches in the cresting rail represented the two tablets of the law given to Moses. And the two large vertical styles represented the pillars of the church. And the three large vertical spindles were the apostle Paul, Jesus, and Peter. The front lower stretcher had a a round, quote unquote, rock in it. And that symbolized Judas, the betrayer. Judas ruins everything. (laughs) Well, that is uh, where the patient should rest her right foot in disdain Uh while while this Dutch magic is being practiced. There's also three rings on the legs that represents the Holy Trinity and the low construction of the chair. So it had really short legs. The low construction of the chair was to humble the patient receiving the healing. Oh, okay. And so this chair was only used during these practices. That's right. It was not just for regular sitting. Okay, yeah. The kids couldn't sit there and eat their Lunchables. That's right. There was also a manuscript providing instructions on how to ritually transfer an illness into a tree. Take a goose quill and cut it off where it begins to be hollow. Then scrape off a little from each nail of the hands and feet, put it into the quill, and stop it up after bore a hole toward the rise of the sun into a tree that bears no fruit. Pull the quill with the scraping of the nails into the hole, and with three strokes close up the hole with a bung made of pine wood. That's a lot to remember. I think that's why it was written in a manuscript. But it must be done on the first Friday of the new moon in the morning. God, more rules. That's how you know it'll work. So as I said, no specific works were found, by me at least, about putting the dead animals in the walls. Either way, the rotting uh, animal corpses 
created mold, which was making the family ill. That doesn't sound like a very good blessing. No, Mm. no. And not a great place for a nursery. (laughs) Surrounded by corpses. Um, So they had to commence this huge uncorpsing of their walls. And they found that because the items were in the home before they bought the home, their insurance will not cover any of this sure. process. Of course. I would immediately, immediately go to the company that uh, that did the inspection and say, how did you miss this? Right. You got to at least cover half. <clears throat> the Bretzowitz family has spent about $20,000 trying to fix this problem. The thing is, they keep finding bodies. Oh, my God. They don't know if they have them all out of the house. They have to keep going, like, room by room. There are some rooms that they don't believe that they have the money to investigate, even. So they're just keeping it walled up, thinking, Mm. okay, well, if it's closed in, at least we don't know about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well... The whole mold issue, that's serious. Yeah. For sure. But at least since those you know, dead animal corpses have been in the walls since the 40s, there probably wasn't much smell. No, they said that it was terrible. Still? They said it was terrible. Wow. Yeah. I guess because of the the number of corpses and I you know, I, don't, I don't know. Wow. But, it, but they didn't notice the smell when they first looked at the house? No. It was, it was once they started opening okay. it up. Okay. As of 2015, they did not know if they had all of the the bodies out of their walls. They assumed that they did not, but they were still working on room by room decorpsifying their home. Maybe that's a business opportunity to uh, start a Pennsylvania Dutch farmhouse decorpsifying business. Where you know it's like a, almost like a like a, a pest control kind sure. of thing. Yeah, maybe you can combine the two. They could come and spray for cockroaches and then, you know, remove dead animals from your wall. William's Cockroach and Corpse. You unwall them and we'll haul them. <laughs> and now, that thing in the middle. Here are some of the stupidest answers ever given on Jeopardy. Well, I guess technically they would be questions on Jeopardy. That's right. All right. I'll play Alex Trebek. What? No. I get to play Alex Trebek. I just bought his book, by the way. The answer is... Uh, it is amazing and excellent, and you should buy it. All right, well, you you bought his book, so you can be Alex. Thank you. All right, go ahead. By the 4th century AD, Rome had 28 public ones stacked with rolls of papyrus. What are toilets, Alex? It's yeah. actually libraries. Yeah, the answer is libraries. Um, but someone said toilets, and I love that because when I was asking you about this topic, <laughs> yeah. you said Toilets? Yeah, yes, I did. All right. Geography for 400. It's the southernmost city in the 48 contiguous states. What is West Virginia? I'm sorry. That's incorrect. The answer is Key West. This term for a long-handled gardening tool can also mean an immoral pleasure seeker. What is a hoe? I mean, I think they should have given him that one. Absolutely should have. Uh, The correct answer was, what is a rake? What is a rake? (laughs) With this final Jeopardy clue, the contestants were shown a picture of a pink flower. The flower pictured here is called this. Also a disparaging term for people on the political left. 
What is a pansy, Alex? That is incorrect. <laughs> we were looking for what is a bleeding heart. And finally, astronomer who began his epitaph, I used to measure the heavens. Now I shall measure the shadows of Earth. Who is the spiciest meme lord? That's incorrect. It is not the spiciest meme lord. The correct answer is who is Johannes Kepler? The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. 
On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You know them as Cat and Jethro, but to the curator, they'll always be our caddykins and widow J-Man. This is the Box of Oddities. Cricket sent us this email. She said in a period of her life, things were spiraling downward. She was young, dating a man who was stealing money from her. Then he took off on his bail Mm. and she had signed for him. Eventually, he took off on her. She said, however, he wound up getting caught and taken to jail. I found myself back in the same position, driving right back to the courthouse. On my way there, I was thinking, damn, I shouldn't be doing this. Why am I doing this? Well, let me tell you, I'm driving and suddenly I start seeing dust in my car and it's becoming difficult to breathe. Then I feel what feels to be a rock fall on my right arm. I look up and I realize it's all coming out of this tiny urn of my dad's ashes that I had in the sunglasses holder. She said, I can't make this up. I kept them there so he could go everywhere with me. Aww. It was so bad I had to pull over because I couldn't breathe. I was breathing it in. It was freaking me out. At this point, my arms and my face are covered. I had cold chills. It was like a message from him telling me, stop. Now, those urns are tightly sealed when they fill them. I don't know how this happened. I didn't go put money on that jack wagon's books, and I never talked to him again. That's right, girl. I'm a tattoo artist following my dreams. And engaged to the man of my dreams, thank you for reminding me of how far I have come in life. And that even when you lose your dad, he can still pop up and tell you to stop making bad decisions. Forever flying my freak flag, Cricket. She was, uh, she, uh, she said she heard something in episode 99 that reminded her of that, that story. That was a long time ago. I do not remember. But I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... What is, uh, what is it that you have for me? Well, I have this. Something strange is going on in Bachelor's Grove Cemetery. In the neighborhood? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters? Not, no. It's a historic cemetery that suffered from decades of neglect and abuse. Mm-hmm. Dating back to the late 50s, Bachelor's Grove Cemetery has been the site of hundreds of mysterious occurrences that have left many authorities in the area baffled. Ooh. Bachelor's Grove Cemetery is a small one-acre plot. It's a very tiny cemetery near the Rubio Woods Forest Preserve southwestern suburb of Midlothian, which is near uh, Chicago. And it has a reputation of being the Chicago area's most haunted site. Oh, my. Well, certainly one of them. The cemetery is overgrown. It's unkempt. And I say unkempt because it pleases you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It is a wonderful word. 
Gravestones have been defaced. They've been mutilated. Coffins have been disinterred and opened. Human bones have been found strewn about the cemetery ever since sometime in the 50s. Evidence of animal sacrifices at one corner of the cemetery has pointed to some possible occult rites that have been practiced there over the years. Maybe they were just trying to keep their farm animals healthy. Maybe they had just cleaned out a Pennsylvania Dutch farmhouse wall and were just getting rid of... That could be. You don't know. So the cemetery was first known as Everdon's Cemetery, and the first burial took place in 1844. So for reference, the city of Chicago was established in 1833. Oh, wow. It's not certain why the cemetery became known as Bachelor's Grove Cemetery in 1864, but it's said that uh, the Bachelor's Grove name came from unmarried men who who were among the first settlers. They were the first ones buried there, but it's more likely that it came from a German family name, uh, a German family that lived in the area. Their name was Bachelder. So it probably was the Bachelder family burial plot or something Got it. like that yeah. early on. In addition to it being a creepy old cemetery, it has a sinister history. During the 1920s and the 1930s, Bodies of victims of gang warfare in Chicago were dumped in a stagnant pond that is located on the northwestern corner of the cemetery plot. Oh, no. Al Capone was taking his hits out there and dumping them in a in a stagnant pond. In this case, it would just be swimming with the tadpoles. Mm. German immigrants and their families are buried in Bachelor's Grove Cemetery, and Civil War veterans can be counted among the uh, the interred. Once again... Our stories connected, both involving German immigrants. How weird is that? Totally weird. Of course, I'm pretty sure I could find a way to connect both of our stories on every episode. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Isn't it weird? Both of our stories involve Barca loungers. By the 1960s, the number of funerals at Bachelor's Grove had dwindled to near zero. The last burial in Bachelor's Grove actually took place... Uh, in 1989, but by 1965, they'd pretty much stopped okay. burying anybody new there. Over the years, it's become a popular destination for local teens to go and make out. Sure. It's like a lover's lane. Yeah. There'd been reports of strange anomalies dating back generations, but they began to intensify in frequency in the late 50s. Some of the earliest reported phenomena from this uh, time period was uh, strange and unexplainable orbs. Not dust. Mm-hmm. Orbs. Yeah. For some reason, many of them were blue in color. Wait, what? They would appear, they would hover over particular gravestones and then seem to move intelligently from grave to grave as if they were looking for something or somebody. Drones? <laughs> was it drones? <laughs> Sightings of these lights were especially frequent During the 1970s, the activity really picked up for some reason. In December 1971, a young woman said she succeeded in putting her hand through one of the flashing lights, but she felt nothing but cold air. Huh. You said it was the 70s? That particular incident was 1971. A lot of drugs going around in the 70s. The most often reported apparition at Bachelor's Grove is some sort of a mirage-like vision Many, many, many people over the decades have reported seeing a two-storied Victorian-style farmhouse with a white picket fence, a porch with a swing, 
and warm light shining from inside the home. Oh, my goodness. That sounds amazing. It does. The weird thing is, it seems to float in the air, and the house is always seen at a distance. It looks convincingly real, but those who try to approach it find that it shrinks in size the closer that they get. And you said that multiple people have reported seeing this? Yes. That's so weird. Also, can we talk about the fact that when you say mirage, immediately I picture like a desert oasis? Yeah. Like, I, those two things in my head are the same. So when you were like, it's a farmhouse, and I was like, no, it's palm trees. <laughs> but as people will approach this uh, farmhouse, it continues to get smaller and smaller, and then will abruptly disappear. Now, the story goes that anyone who's, who succeeds in reaching it and entering will never return. It was a 17-year-old boy in 1966. He claimed to have seen it on numerous occasions. That same boy, interestingly enough, disappeared without a trace in September of that same year. Oh, no. The Vanishing House has been widely reported since the 60s and has been actually drawn by several witnesses independently, and the pictures are remarkably similar. However, there is no historical record of such a house existing ever in the uh, in the vicinity. That's really interesting. That's such a um, unique experience. Yeah, like that's not generally how hauntings yeah. or, you know, whatever works. It sounds almost like it would be a portal into another dimension because if you can get into it, you know, then you can't get out. Right. Yeah. That's also by the way, I'm picturing Superman's house. Oh. Like when he was a kid, right? When he landed on the farm, yeah, yeah, that's sure. what I'm picturing in right. my head. So, so palm trees and Superman's house, yeah. <laughs> that is certainly one of the weirdest things that has been um, allegedly witnessed on many occasions. That's but really interesting. But this one blows my mind. Phantom vehicles have also been reported on the cemetery's path and on the uh, Midlothian Turnpike just outside the cemetery plot. The vehicles uh, vanish as people approach them. Some people have reported seeing or being in phantom accidents. Oh. One person claims that she was going to the cemetery to try to capture some EVPs. As she was starting down the narrow, overgrown dirt road onto the property, an older-looking vehicle came around the corner and hit her right front headlight area. The person that was driving the other car leapt out and ran into the woods. So she calls the police and then wandered down to the main highway to wait for the police to show up. And when they did, they returned to the scene, and there was no old car, and there was no damage to her car. Oh, that's weird. And when she was said, this, the 70s? It doesn't say what, what date oh, okay. this was. but There's a lot it, of drugs around the 70s. Yeah, okay. It, that's probably what it was. I think it was more recent because um, she was going for EVPs, and that's... Well, I guess the first EVPs were started to were starting to make circulations in the early '60s, but uh, really hadn't uh, become a thing until, especially for like just regular old people to be doing. Right. So, besides orbs and phantom vehicles, there have been additional reports of supernatural events in the cemetery, including the White Lady or the White Madonna. She walks the grounds carrying an infant during f- the full moon. Oh. A farmer and his plow horse are often seen there, according to legend, were uh, victims of a, of a drowning in that nearby pond that the horse got spooked and dragged him in and they, and they both drowned. Oh, no. Artax. There's uh, no proof that that actually happened, but that's the story. There have been sightings uh, on multiple occasions of a two-headed ghost oh. near that same stagnant pond, always in that area. 
Other people have said they have seen visions of religious monks as late as as 1984, witnesses reported seeing numerous figures dressed in monks' robes throughout the cemetery. This was never a religious property, hmm. so people don't understand that. Monks. That's interesting. Witnesses in the 1990s reported seeing a black dog manifest. At the cemetery's entrance, it would disappear when people would approach it. Had they been long-haul trucking? (laughs) No report as to what their vocation may have been. Okay, Okay, okay. So maybe a different black dog. In the 1990s, a woman visited Bachelors Grove Cemetery. She was doing some... um, uh, Genealogical research. Okay. Looking for an ancestor whose last name was Kip. While at the uh, cemetery, she heard voices and said that they were all talking about the Kip family and using vulgar language. Oh, my goodness. She had no idea where it was coming from. That's so weird. You're just jealous. Paranormal researchers conducted a series of experiments at Bachelors Grove Cemetery in the 80s and 90s. One of these was a photography experiment, which was published in the Journal of Perceptual and Motor Skills in 97. It found that while no anomalous images were obtained from Bachelors Grove Cemetery, approximately half of the frames on both infrared and black and white film were unexposed. The Ghost Research Society conducted numerous investigations into uh, reported phenomena. The results have included images which contain light resembling ectoplasm as well as orbs. Researchers have reported EVP also in the area. In 2012, the cemetery was featured on an episode of uh, Ghost Adventures. But one of the most compelling photos taken at Bachelors Grove Cemetery was a photo taken by Judy Huff Fells in 1991, and it includes a supposed uh, full-body apparition. The photo, the photo was taken at Bachelors Grove in 91 on an investigation, and it, they used infrared film. No living person other than the photographer was visible at the time, but the photograph clearly shows a human figure sitting on a checkered monument near the south entrance. The woman's face seems flat, with only a hint of a nose visible. Her feet blend into the grass, which appears white under infrared infrared light, giving an appearance of translucence. Uh, Since the photograph was taken, the checkered monument has been photographed many times, uh, hundreds of times, without producing anything nearly as spectacular. That's dubbed the Madonna of Bachelors Grove. The photograph was published in the Chicago Sun-Times, the National Enquirer, and is one of the most famous, or infamous, if you will, paranormal (laughs) Photos of all time. And here's the photo. And we'll post it online. Oh. Oh, that looks very... She looks like a flapper. Look at that hair. Does have a very 20s look to her, doesn't she? Yeah. She's wearing like a sheath dress. And she has the pin curls. You know it. I got my information from the Chicago Sun-Times, Cool Interesting Stuff, The Lineup, and Wikipedia. Also, thanks to all the uh, freaks and the order of freaks who are supporting the Box of Oddities. If you want to join the order, here's what you get. The episode's commercial-free. You get them a day early. You get uh, direct access to us through the back channel. And a bonus episode once a month. Go to theboxofoddities.com and click on um, support this podcast. Don't forget to check out Scared to Death, the podcast from Dan and Lindsay Cummins. We love it. We think you will, too. 
And as always, thanks for hanging out with us, you freaks. Until next time, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts.